the horrors, the horrors continue. They do. They haven't stopped. They're really going to continue on for someone today. <laughs> Welcome to Bread and Barricades. This is a lamest podcast. My name is Nemo Martin. My pronouns are they, them. I am your host. And this week, I, for the first time in a really long time, did a 3am anime watch for. <laughs> Oh, naughty. I know. The first episode was an hour and a half, but I didn't realize until I was like, my God, this 20 minute episode <laughs> was so long and realized that it got to the like um, 60 minute mark. And I was like, oh, right. <laughs> um, yeah. And then by episode eight, it was like, you know, one o'clock. And I was like, this season doesn't seem like it's going to end. <laughs> Uh, and of course, by episode eleven, they hadn't wrapped up because it's based on a manga that's long. And um, yeah, so it's completely irrevocably fucked up my sleeping schedule. <laughs> and um, I've been doing like three a.m. sleepy. I mean, th- this is all being said to Stevie, who doesn't sleep full stop. But yeah, <laughs> my, no, my- but there's a difference between like laying there in stasis, knowing that that keeps me alive. Uh-huh. <laughs> and like when you're doing something at 3am that's com- that you feel completely different like you feel bad either yeah. way but like a person but when you're like doing things until 3am that's not a person which is why I guess <laughs> yeah so that's that's where I'm at in that like um occasionally being like oh I feel like I'm okay and then getting again <laughs> to three o'clock and being like why <laughs> so uh. Stevie, she, they pronouns, uh, primary researcher. Not as tired in the chaotic Nemo way. Having having a wife who knows that if she goes to bed earlier, I might not stop reading fix. So now she kind of, because it used to be that either she'd turn the light off, it'd be like, okay, now it's bedtime. And I'd usually be like, okay, I put my phone down. But I'll sometimes keep going and then suddenly, yeah, it's 3 a.m. <laughs> Now wait for me to be like, oh, I should let her go to sleep for work and I put my phone down and only then does she be like, yes, now we're going to bed. So like that keeps you really like on the straight and narrow and quite humble. Oh my God, that's hilarious. It's like she's learned to play the correct mind games with me. Uh, that is some puppy training right there. <laughs> we're like, well, if, if I didn't, share a bed with a person like you know I would also be doing the 3am still like I used to but when you're like well I can't fuck her up too teach a man to fish truly (laughs) well I was gonna say that I don't know what today's episode energy is gonna be because I was reading while staying in the room that my wife was watching Lust for the first time And like, did you ever watch Last Nemo? No, I didn't. Oh, so you can't appreciate. I don't know if, if anyone listening the the Lost Lamers crossover. Although Lost was like such a thing, so I'm gonna I want to mm. say half, maybe half our listeners. She is so fascinated by John Locke. She's the only cat. He he is the only character she cares about, <laughs> and that that is very fascinating for me. Where you're like this fucking weirdo okay <laughs> what does this say about you interesting so was reading about we're, we're in it with a funeral today and it was just like every now and again just like looking up at the screen looking over at her trying to go back to the book and being like but what is going on in last i'm loving the rewatch <laughs> so i'm bringing that 
you're bringing 3am anime. I think that that is the correct energy. I, I think actually. so, yeah. I, I also was like, John Locke, I wrote about him recently. I mean, I, I know that it's a different guy. It's a character from Lost versus the English philosopher, but I was Yeah, like, versus the Sherlock uh, ship. Oh my god. <laughs> Sorry, Stevie. I was like scrolling, randomly scrolling through John Locke being like, why was it that I was reading through him? And this wasn't why, but John Locke had a strong influence on Voltaire, who called him <gasps> the Sage Locke. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah so anyway <laughs> my god uh, i need to somehow study john locke the lost character and be like is he being influenced by voltaire now is this an endless cycle of john locke to voltaire yeah. to john locke to voltaire this is so this is so great yeah I, he also wrote about um how you know people of color um weren't intelligent enough to understand anything but um yeah that's why i was writing about him but i was like john mm. Locke. like why is that ringing such a bell <laughs> anyway i'm glad that sarah's favorite character is voltaire <laughs> <laughs> unlocked that's why that's why she cares about him so much he may be too willing to mm, but he is like uh, we're only in season one he is very much the philosopher of mm. where he just says shit and you're like what <laughs> Sarah's like, yeah, no, I would want him to take me through the jungle, and I know there's a really good chance that he's gonna trick me into doing strange drugs so that I'll learn a weird l- spiritual lesson. But that's a risk I'm willing to take. Mm. To spend time with him. But you're like, okay, <laughs> interesting. Apparently, John Locke is most famous for uh, the original modern conceptions of identity and self. Everything in Lust is like so ridiculously thought out that like surely his character name is not for no reason. Yeah, I I mean assumedly, yeah. These are threads to connect perhaps in another podcast. <laughs> he yeah, the deuteragonist of the series John Locke is named after the English philosopher of the same name. So, yeah. There we go. So it does all come back to Voltaire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't even take like 3 seconds. <laughs> And I was like, he's got a really long Wikipedia page, and I literally just scrolled to a random paragraph, and my eyes were like, <laughs> Shinigami eyes to Voltaire. <laughs> well, you know who else who does show up in today's episode? Uh huh. It is Voltaire. Oh, really? Hell yeah. It's all coming together. I'm about to send you live on air. So, Nemo has already been sent my Hugo's death note. Mm-hmm. new improved list yeah which is in some ways connected to this other list i'm sending and in other ways not which i will explain once nemo has has looked at it okay got it do you want to explain what hugo's death note is so that is the order in which i think people will die in this Great. book mm-hmm. <laughs> and the list i've just sent nemo uh-huh. is that today i re-listened so I made an original kill list mm-hmm. and I was like, do I, I can't pretend otherwise. I can now remember the boys' names, mm-hmm. but I couldn't remember what characteristic went with what boy. So I was kind of going off the vibes of names that I knew that that was like <laughs> a flower boy. I knew there was a duck boy. So I was like, what name makes me 
think you would be someone weak who would die early. (laughs) (laughs) Slash what I think would just be dramatic. The new list is because I re-listened to our episode where we first met the members of the ABC. Mm -hmm. I should really have gotten the name of that episode up. I don't know what the re-listenability is for anyone else with our podcast episodes. I loved re-listening to it. I was like, (laughs) there was so much joy in our hearts. We had so much fun meeting the ABC boys. I'm glad. I'm glad we did. Well, it was episode 111.i. I don't understand our (laughs) numbering convention. (laughs) Bread and Barricades 111.i, Season 3, episode 1, comma. 1T3, ABC, (laughs) non-binary. Excellent, yeah. And that was the episode where we get all the, like, as if Hugo knew we needed a Wikipedia page of the boys. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Here's the main characteristics. And I... Listen to that because I was thinking about how I didn't think that hard about my kill list order. Uh-huh. And that these two lists next to each other, they're not a one-to-one, but I thought, wouldn't it be interesting if I knew Enjolras came first and then Combefer in the we meet them? What if he killed them in reverse order? Mm. hmm So I was writing down which order they came up in. And then also of the ones who I didn't remember as much about, they're like main characteristics to remind myself Mm -hmm. and then i sorted them into ships (laughs) (laughs) because i think that would be for the list in which the order in which i think he'll kill them they should go in in their pairings Mm. i think interesting like i don't think he's gonna do that so so instead of it being in the reverse order which i would still want to see if that does happen Mm-hmm. But then I was like, Grantaire came last. I need him to die closer to Enjolras. So, like, I hope he didn't do that. Mm-hmm. But that's how I decided the order of death. That's is... very interesting. I, I, okay. So, first of all, mm, yeah, I, when I was looking through it, I was like, ah, yes, you've paired them by ship, which is <laughs> interesting. Well, because you let slip last time that. It doesn't all happen in like one place. Like they start uh-huh. sort of going off in little groups. And I was like, surely those little groups should be the ship groups. <laughs> if you mm. know knows what's good for him. <laughs> mm. Interesting. I'm now, but also I hadn't guessed the like reverse order thing. And that's interesting. Well, um, I've not kept it in the reverse. Like the reverse yeah, order, yeah. I'm still keeping an eye on because I'm like, that mm. would be very interesting if he did that. Mm. but it would be I could still make it interesting for myself if he did do that but like I want to see them crying over each other's bodies (laughs) 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 um and okay so let's I I, because for posterity posterity reason I'll read out or I can read one of your lists and you can read the second list to show how it's changed as well. Um, Ah, And also in your first list, I did point out that you had Jahan twice and that you didn't have (laughs) Eponine. Um, (laughs) Jahan um, twice was because I was going to switch him and Jolie around and then I just wrote Jahan twice. Yes, yeah. I was like counting them up and I was like, there is the right number of J names, why? (laughs) (laughs) So your first list, was Mabuf, Gavrosh, Jahan, Fuili, Jahan, Bosue, Bahorel, Kufurak, Comfer, Gwanter, Andras, Javert, Jean Valjean. And then your second list was Mabuf, Eponine, Gavrosh, Bosue, Jolie, Bahorel, Fui, 
Jahan, Kufrak, Confer, Gonter, Andras, Javert, Jean Valjean. So your last five and your first one didn't change. Mm. And then you added Eponine before Gavroche is the biggest changes. The like numbers two to nine, you switched around a little bit, um, yeah. but only by moving, shuffling things around a little well, bit. Well, I was really deciding where Eponine goes. I kind of was also, because I was like, can I get the, if he kills them in reverse order, can I get, because like, Mabuff we met first, and he, I think, is going to die first. Mm. So, but then that wouldn't make sense with what I thought maybe he would do. I think Mabuff is going to go first just to upset me, and mm-hmm. I think he's going to get that out the way. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, I want Eponine to last longer, but then I was like, would Hugo be thinking this girl isn't going to live? <laughs> Mm. So that's why I put her early. Mm. I feel like Gavroche should be early, and I, I really wasn't sure what order to put those two in. Mm-hmm. And then Bossway, because he's got really bad luck. Uh-huh. <laughs> followed by Jolie, his boyfriend, who he has a cane. So I was like, I don't know if that means, if I couldn't remember if that was for the aesthetic or not, but maybe he can't like escape as fast. Mm-hmm. Also, he's a doctor, so he's going to be one, he's going to be like, trying to doctor over the fallen mm-hmm. bus, like Eponine and then see his boy Boswego down and that'll be really sad mm-hmm. then Baharel is because he's a big brawler mm-hmm. uh, he's going to be trying to protect people so he, I think he's going to tank and mm-hmm. that always gets you killed mm-hmm. followed by Fuli his boyfriend mm-hmm. <laughs> he's also a big bear so I thought They'd be like trying to front line, and that so they all kind of go down together. Jehan next because so Jehan oh he wasn't the one that was at at the brunch no it's Fuli who was at the brunch Jehan yeah. just came next because he didn't have a boyfriend to go down with <laughs> <laughs> but because he's like he's mentioned so early into the list into when we meet them Mm -hmm. so i was like okay that gives him this sort of importance so he should go here Mm -hmm. maybe he's the one being protected by the two tools Mm -hmm. and then once you have fighters are down like you're just gonna die quick Mm -hmm. then kufarak because i want to be sad about that (laughs) (laughs) you know where you're like look this is gonna happen anyway i've said before i don't like when sad things happen but like if it has to then i want it to be like devastating Mm -hmm. for someone (laughs) so kufarak's going down first then combefer then grantaire because i want anjolas to feel some kind of way about that like i don't want Anjolas to die first mm-hmm. even though that would be devastating for Grantaire and he would just die immediately even if he wasn't killed I think like he would just because he's already said having re-listened to the episode he basically just like lives to look at Anjolas mm-hmm. so I need Anjolas to see Grantaire go down mm-hmm. and then Javert and Jean Valjean obviously yeah. later mm-hmm. in so that's my <laughs> that's how I my what my brain wants to see I guess <laughs> And it's it's very interesting, and um, I'm not gonna tell you how right or wrong you are, because, <laughs> um, but yeah, it it's it's an, an interesting thing, and I was like noting down some of the things that you said because I was like, that is funny, and you're going to like it when I point it out when we get to it later. <gasps> so they're all wrong. <laughs> I'm just so 
boys go down trying to protect the brawlers. I see. Okay. <laughs> um, I yeah. have to come at this as a... It was also like re-listening to the episode and re-falling in love with all the boys just in time mm. to die soon. Um, really coming at this with like a shipper's heart. Yeah. Uh-huh. So you're like, what would maximum if each of those like group deaths where I've like kind of paired them up, mm. if they got a whole episode in a 30 minute, like a 30 minute episode, not an hour long episode, mm. like a 30 minute focus episode, what would be, you could cram a lot of sadness and drama into that. Mm. So, <laughs> and also, of course, Angelas has to go last because he needs to see all his fallen comrades yeah, as well. Yeah, not just yeah. Grantaire, but like that's important to me. Mm. So yeah. <laughs> That's, that's, uh, there you go. I, I'm so oh, I'm so excited for us to get to it so we can like can go through this episode again. <laughs> <laughs> and that will all become maybe relevant. Uh not this episode. <laughs> but maybe next one. Yeah. A funeral. <laughs> Yay! Yay! So we've made it out of the trench that was mm-hmm. Hugo pontificating, perhaps whatever it was that he was doing talking about riot versus revolution mm. what, was, what were the two things riot versus insurrection yes that's what it was both of us were like but we're done i never need to think about that again <laughs> <laughs> so it's spring 1832 although cholera had for three months dampened spirits somewhat Mm. And quelled some excitement, which brought on a sort of sense of calmness. Mm. Paris has been ready to erupt. And mm. with cholera has been around, it's been ready to erupt in several different ways, I suppose. Mm. As we have said, a city is like a cannon. Once it is loaded, a stray spark is all that is needed to set it off. And that spark today is the death of General Lamarck. Mm. And it's also it was kind of nice to like meet Lamarck finally, having in <laughs> the, the musical stage and movie where you're like, I know that it's Lamarck's funeral, but what? Yeah, and literally everyone after Lamarck is dead, everyone being like, who? Yeah. <laughs> so he was successful under the Empire, but also the Restoration. Mm. So he was brave on the battlefield and brave on the floor of the debating chamber. Mm. <laughs> Eloquent in a way that he had been valiant. <sighs> Senpai, says Victor Hugo, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> He's distinguished himself as a military commander, and he distinguished himself as a champion of liberty. Mm. Sat between left and the extreme left, loved by the people because he welcomed the possibilities of the future. Loved by the masses because he served the emperor well. He'd been one of Napoleon's marshals. He was just like, everyone loved him. He hated the Duke of Wellington like in such a blunt way that the, that the crowd loved it. Excellent. He's just like everyone's favourite boy. Worst boy that could have died. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Napoleon died with the word army on his lips. Lamarck with the word country. Mm, oh, mm. oh. So his much-anticipated death was dreaded by the people Mm. because they're sad about it and also dreaded by the government because it's like an occasion. Mm. Did it say, by the way, in this, because I I, um, did 
0.5 minutes of pre-research on this episode, and one fact that I found that I don't think I remember reading in Les Mis, and so you can correct me if I'm wrong, is that Lamarck died of cholera at the same time or similar as Prime Minister Casimir Pierre Perrier, and they both died, and the Prime Minister was given a grand state funeral, but Lamarck was given a public funeral, which was like, everyone got also very angry at the fact that Lamarck was given a public one and not a state funeral. Oh, if it did, I was paying attention to John Locke. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I was like, I don't remember this being mentioned in the novel. Maybe it wasn't like, yeah, but that that idea of one cholera, like it didn't even occur to me that Lamarck died of cholera. (laughs) Yeah, like I feel like I would have laughed a bit more. Like it's terrible, terrible way to go. But it would have been like, only because... Me and Nemo went to the sewer museum and we learned a lot about cholera and whenever we're in a certain part of London, we're like, we should go to the cholera pump, <laughs> which is why I would laugh at cholera and not at what a horrific way to die. Yeah, um, yeah. I think I would have remembered if it said it. Yeah, like at the beginning of this chapter, literally says cholera is important. And I was like, oh, okay, why is that? It would be helpful if he went yeah. because Lamarck died of cholera. <laughs> yeah, we're just trying to be res- too respectful. Mm. I get a lot about the how the funeral goes down, but yeah, no, I feel like that wasn't specifically mentioned. Mm. I think I would have remembered if it said died of cholera. They're just like, I'll sprinkle in that cholera's around. Mm. Well, I'll keep reading through and maybe it's literally about to say that. <laughs> um, according to historian Mark Traugott, Trugott, T-R-A-U-G-O-T-T, when the popular Lamarck was struck down by cholera, fear and resentment over the threats to the population's physical and economic well-being had reached a critical stage. So he literally represented the fact that he was the people's man and he was dying of the poor people's disease. Oh, God. Which is like so important. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh. Anyway, his death feels more important to me now because I'm like, oh, right, yeah, like, like look, all the poor people were dying of cholera. Yeah. And then he, the people's man, also did, so, yeah. Yeah, and, like, if we remember however many chapters ago, like, mm. there has been this, like, fever almost in Paris of, like, mm. there's been anticipating some sort of revolt or call to arms. Like, people have been stockpiling weapons for ages. Mm. So, like, there has been this, like, almost, I don't know, excitement, some kind of something like buzz going on for ages that only cholera could like dampen it for a little bit because you're like mm. yeah by just sort of in the vague at least the vague way my book is of like cholera the three months dampened the spirits you're like yeah because so many people would have been dying of that like that's why it's dampened the spirits they're yeah. dead <laughs> and also the really like I had this feeling when we went to the sewer museum where um the guy who was telling us about how many people were dying of diseases like cholera, when he said the number, I was like, oh, that was like a daily number in COVID times. <laughs> but I read the number of Parisians who died at the end of the outbreak in 1832, and it was 18,402 Parisians. And I'm like, yep, that was a daily number in COVID, mm. not a at the end of the outbreak. So anyway, things to make you feel great. <laughs> Just in Paris as well, though, where you're like, how is there... Because we're about to get a load of... There's, like, a load of numbers of, like, here's how many National Guardsmen there were. And I'm like, I guess I just don't... I should have looked up. 
how many fucking people live in a city? I guess like London these days, there actually is millions here, right? But I was just yeah. like, how is there enough people in Paris for this many people to be dying of cholera and this many people to be guardsmen and yet there's still a shit ton of people rebelling? Mm. Big numbers just seem so big that you're like, I'm sure that actually that is only a small percentage. But uh, I don't know, it seems wild. We're at 9,648,000 in London. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to think about what a million is. Yeah. I guess 10,000... 10,000 National Guardsmen seems like a really big number, though. Uh, well, that's half the number who died in <laughs> cholera. <laughs> uh, Paris population, 20 demographics of Paris. The current... Wow. Do you want to guess how many people live in Paris uh, in 2019? In my head, London's bigger, but that's probably just the Brit in me. <laughs> <laughs> I swear we looked this number up while we were there. 7 million? 2 million. Only two? Yeah. Baby. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the city of Paris. Inner ring, outer ring, ill Oh, yeah. Do they have, like, greater Paris the same way we have greater London? Oh, the Paris region. Okay, yeah. That's 11 million. So okay. that is 3 million more than us. Okay, fine. You can have 10,000 National Guardsmen Paris. Fine. <laughs> oh, historic population. 1831. That's pretty close. Um yeah. This is not very helpful. Can you give me the total number? Well, okay, so there's 12 districts and the most populous two have 80,000 people living in them. So that's 100. I would say there's about a million people living in in France, in Paris at this time. Okay, so you do need 10,000 guardsmen. Yeah. That still seems like a big number, but how many zeros are in a million? Uh, Six. Okay, fine, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think because in your head, I'm like, old-timey, didn't everyone die of the plague? And you're like, this yeah. is so much further through time than that. I think the populations <laughs> are fine. <laughs> fine. Europe, can you believe that Europe really bounced back from that? <laughs> well, cholera has thinned the herd a bit. Mm-hmm. Taking Lamarck with it. Mm-hmm. And his death was mourned. Um, like everything bitter, mourning may turn to revolt. And this is what happened. Mm. So the 5th of June, the eve and the morning of, that's set for his funeral. And the sort of area, I guess there must have been like a, this is the route we'll take. It's all very ominous. People are just immediately arming themselves. Rumors are going all over the place. Like, pe- like if you don't have a weapon, people are like taking what they can from their work. Like, joiners are taking claw hammers. Mm. I fucking, I love a really specific Victor Hugo anecdote. A carpenter named Lombier met a comrade who asked him, "Where are you going?" Well, I've got no weapon, so I'm going to my workshop to fetch my compass. <laughs> what are you going to do with that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it's very just like grab what you can, and we'll we'll make we'll make it into something. Yeah, yeah. Like cartridges and weapons are just sort of being found everywhere. Everyone's like, got your pistol? Where are you under my shirt? Yeah, of course. Uh, everyone's just like grouping up and whispering. So rumors are just going everywhere. Like, oh, I hear there's going to be this many guardsmen. Oh, I hear that so and so is going to give the word, and that's when we should start fighting and shooting. Mm. Watchwords were being exchanged openly. So on the fifth of June, sunshine and rain, <laughs> and the rain is going to do nothing to dampen the huge crowd that is going to build 
So everyone's very determined. The official military were increased as a precaution. So two battalions, drums draped, 10,000 National Guardsmen. That's where I kept getting that number. Mm. With their swords at their sides, escorted the, the coffin. And that is a lot. That's, that's quite a lot. a lot. Yeah, that's not like... That's not uh, the casual number of like police people in the entirety of France. That's the number of people escorting the coffin. Yeah, that's why I was like, how is there anyone left to, yeah. to be watching the funeral? Yeah. So it's like the guardsmen escorting. And the hearse was drawn by young men. Okay. Who, who we will later know have been harnessed up to do so. But I was just Whoa, like, this okay. is a man's funeral. This isn't the time for me to be imagining them literally in the like. Who who was at a pride recently that it was? Like, it was you. Yeah, in like, Austria. Yeah, so I literally was just imagining that, like men in their bondage gear and their puck masks, like pulling this carriage. And I was like, there's a dead man in there. Okay, yeah. I'll save that image for something else. That's also coming From the up. Buffs, I mean. Uh, <laughs> um. So yeah, the, the hearse, the coffin is getting mm. pulled, all these guardsmen. And then that's followed by these, just like all these groups who want to see this funeral procession after, like Friends of the People, Law School, School of Medicine, refugees of all nationalities, flags of Spain, Italy, Germany, Poland, every conceivable banner, children, stone cutters, carpenters who were on strike at the time, printers. Some people have got sticks and swords, and it's like this unruly mob, but they're united in spirit. Now a Mm. tumultuous mob, now a column. Insurgent groups chose leaders for themselves. Like it's all going on, this armed mm. throng, and it's quite frightening to behold. And the government watches it all, sort of simmering. It watched with its hand on the hilt of its sword. So they're like, they're ready. They know that. I mean, it, people aren't being subtle. Not that they were being that subtle before, but they're like, yeah, this shit's gonna go down. Yeah. The apprehensive authorities held suspended over the menacing multitude 24,000 soldiers in the city and 30,000 in the outskirts. So you're like, that's, that's, that's a lot. That's so many soldiers. Yeah. These numbers seem huge. I wonder how many how many police there are in the UK right now. Or in London. In London. Well, now these numbers are so big, you're like, do we have 24,000? Maybe, that we've got millions. 129,000 full-time officers in post in England and Wales. That's all of England, though. We're only in Paris. Yeah. Also, that feels like a number they should let us look up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I want a counter that goes up and down in real time. <laughs> As a cop is killed. Um, okay, like, let's say, let's say we're even a third of that, which is, that would be wild anyway. That's, like, 40,000, right? Which is more, which is about the same as you have officers and army people there, right? 24,000. Oh, okay. Oh, but 30,000 in the outskirts. Yeah, yeah. Altogether, that's over 50,000. That's like half the amount that are in England and Wales in 2023. What, like, where are your numbers from? (laughs) (laughs) But then they have an, like, that's an army, right? Like, that's their military. Yeah, Which that's is true. more of a thing than like yeah. just police, yeah. And you would just if you're some do they do they have nobles at the time? I don't know. In areas you would just like have your standing army, I guess, ready to be yeah. 
or the opposite of a standing army where you're like, shit's going down, put your uniforms on, lads. Well, actually, that will come up yeah. soon with the character. So It's John Voshan. I know that oh. much. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Did it come up in a fic? How did I learn that? It must have been a fic. Maybe um, he's already been doing it. Uh, did, oh, yeah, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he got his uniform been... to impress Cosette. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah. Does it come up <laughs> in a fic? No, canonically, he's already been doing it. <laughs> the fic that his name is. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, sh- fucking shit ton of uh, booked and busy uh, <laughs> soldiers and army and police. The the atmosphere at the moment, because so we're in the early moments of this all, is excitement mingled with grievance. Mm-hmm. And, of course, whenever you get one of these things, you get real criminals who, like, aren't in it for the, like... Let's use this moment to do a thing. They're like, okay, the houses are going to be empty. Let's do some looting. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's also going on. And the police who, in quotation marks, who know their business are no strangers <laughs> to this phenomenon. <laughs> so the procession is making its way with feverish slowness through mm. the boulevards, down from the house of the deceased to the Bastille. Okay, yeah. Currently raining. That's not thinning the head. There's like been a couple little incidents along this walk. Stones have been thrown at a uh, Duke de Fitzjames, seen on a balcony wearing his hat. <laughs> and, <laughs> he deserved it. He didn't um, take his hat off, is what that means. Actually, that was very disrespectful at the time. Hats yeah. were important, weren't they? Yeah. Like, yeah, when, when if, I mean, even to this day, you're technically supposed to take your hat off if a funeral passes yeah. you. So, yeah, no wonder that he was the people's man. Mm. <laughs> a cockerel got torn off a populist flag and dragged through the mud, whatever that meant. A <laughs> policeman was wounded with a sword. An officer was heard saying out loud, I'm a Republican. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and some students, some polytechnic students are shouting, long live the t- polytechnic, long live the Republic. And we're getting closer to the Bastille and the crowd began to simmer with a terrible kind of ferment. A bird's eye view of the crowd at that moment, as the hearse was going past the Bastille, would have looked like a comet. So like the head with this huge tail blazing behind it and a circle formed around the hearse. The crowd goes silent. Lafayette? Yeah. The same Lafayette from Hamilton? Yep, same yeah. guy. He speaks to and bade Lamarck farewell, and this this was a touching and solemn moment. All heads are uncovered, all hearts felt a pang, and then suddenly in the middle of a group, a man on horseback, dressed in black, appeared with a red flag. Lafayette turns away. This red flag raises a storm. Two cries go up, Lamarck to the Pantheon, Lafayette to the City Hall, and the crowd starts cheering... Some young men harnessed themselves and began to draw the mark to the hearse. In the hearse, across the Pont d'Australites and Lafayette in a carriage. So we've got two processions of men uh, mm. harnessed up. Lafayette in his Hudson Miku binder. Yeah. <laughs> and then, is this when it all starts to go down? Mm. I think it... Because, so there's those two groups and that's kind of when chaos is like beginning to happen and then the people who were drawing Lafayette caught sight of the dragoons that have been deployed and they're so they're like, oh my god, they're coming, the dragoons, the dragoons! And their dragoons are advancing at a walking pace with their mm. pistols and their holsters and their swords and their muskets, so like in, in a menacing fashion. 
and they stop 200 paces from the bridge. The carriage carrying Lafayette made its way towards them. The dragoons part enough for the for that carriage to get through, immediately close behind it, and that's when the crowd meets the dragoons. Mm. The women flee in terror, and in that moment where they meet, what took place? No one can say. <laughs> Some say that um, over by the arsenal, a bugle giving the signal to charge was heard. Others that a child stabbed a dragoon with a dagger, and I was like, that's Gavroche. <laughs> if it happened, it was him. The fact is, suddenly three shots were fired. The first killed the leader of the squadron. The second killed a deaf old woman who was closing her window. And the mm. third clipped the so- the shoulder of an officer. Mm. Women start screaming because I guess it it had there been any planning for this kind of like violence, I guess you would want there to be time between the like we're mourning funeral moment to be like, okay, get the women and children out here. Now we start the yeah. fighting. Yeah. But it's all just started going down. Um the storm breaks, stones are thrown, rifles are fired, everyone's running at each other, mm. barricades start to take shape. The crowd scatters in all directions. The rumor of war flies to every part of of Paris. The cry to arms. Uh, people are run, trip over, flee, fight back. Anger spreads, rioting the way wind spreads fire. It's interesting, like, really, the... I mean, this cholera thing has really, like, <laughs> in my brain been like, ah, oh. it is really interesting that they, they got um described as, like, the... the, the uh, what was it? Fever. I don't know how oh, much yeah. of that was Hugo before, but like a, a slow fever working its way through uh, at the beginning and now it's like a flame. And yeah, it's just interesting with the like concept of burning bodies and how, I mean, it's a super spreader event. Mm. And oh my God. yeah, I don't know. It's just like also interesting was like, I, I guess whenever I've seen Lemurs, um, I've kind of like anticipated there being the barricade bit and so i hadn't actually thought oh yeah you would want to break between the funeral bit and the like okay now we're going to shoot into you kind Mm. of bit to like yeah slightly separate those things but obviously that's not how these kind of rebellions go it's like someone trips over and then starts the entire flood so yeah um yeah, I don't know that that kind of like importance hadn't really landed for me before until until just then. So that was interesting. Yeah, because you're well, I guess everyone was really ready for a fight, mm. but yeah, where well, you kind of always wonder, like you know, if all these dragoons hadn't marched on the procession, mm. it it sounds like it would have happened either way. But like, would it, ha- it have happened in that moment? Like, yeah, so early after because if everyone had just you know been actually very respectful mm. of the real moment of mm. Lafayette giving his goodbye and you know everyone actually having their mourning moment and it seems like it kind of went very quickly from that to like he's sort of taken off the board mm. so that they can march in it's kind of like it reminds me of the like the posts about how the police especially in America would be like oh we've had to like order in SWAT teams and um like new riot gear because we saw people wearing gas masks which means that they're going to elevate things and it was like yeah they're wearing gas masks because last time you gassed them so Mm. like the kind of provocation of 
like well we have to prepare for you well we have to prepare for you well we have to prepare for you and how that is always going to be elevated by military and government and police and the like or how dare you protect yourself from the threat (laughs) that we are yeah Um, i don't know how you aren't meant to be intimidated going to a funeral that you know uh Ten thousand <laughs> guardsmen, yeah. and that like oh, and thirty or un- thirty thousand are on standby. Yeah. Okay, and they each have three different types of weapon. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, and you know the dragoons are like there. They're not just like sitting on the sidelines or like part of whatever. It's like oh no, they they are like this is this is happening, and they are ready to kill us. So yeah, and like marching towards the crowd as well, yeah. not even just like lining the streets in a sort of scary way. Yeah, yeah, it's the um, oh, what's it called, kettling thing as well. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Glad to see tactics have changed <laughs> in the last hundred and seventy years, hundred and sixty years. Yeah, well. That anger spread. Oh, two hundred years nearly. Right? Oh God! Because... Wow, we've just like really sharpened it. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I misread this just now because I was like, "What do you mean? There's nothing extraordinary about the first Texans <laughs> of a riot?" And it's like, "There's nothing more extraordinary." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like that doesn't sound right. Um, There's absolutely nothing <laughs> extraordinary about the first Praxims of a riot. Yeah. I almost wouldn't have been surprised. Like, I kind of wasn't that if he was like, yeah, it's not even that big of a deal. We're Parisians, um, so, not, you know. uh, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> I can't skip ahead or I'll never get through these bits. But just you fucking wait for it. <laughs> well, as Parisians, there's nothing more extraordinary, actually, because everything's just happening everywhere at the same time. Mm-hmm. Was it anticipated? Yes. Was it planned? No. <laughs> <laughs> where does it originate on the street somewhere where does it strike from out of the blue mm. so it really does just like yeah i guess you you can't plan for it it's just like okay we're doing it now okay it's happening ah mm. first there's the noise of confusion and shops close and vendors vanish then isolated gunshots people are fleeing servants are heard laughing in the courtyards of houses like there's gonna be trouble hee 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 <laughs> Ooh, oh, what if no. they got into my master's house? Yeah. Oh no. Who left the gate open? <laughs> and there's just we get all these scenes around the city mm. of so like bare armed men carrying flags that say like Republic or Death, arms factories getting looted for their weapons, Lo- loads of guns are being passed about, but to make sure more of the people are armed, they're just taking one weapon each, opposed mm. to, you know, we've had the descriptions of the dragoons have like a musket and a sword and a rifle and whatever. We've got to spread them a bit thinner. Young men armed with muskets take up positions inside places occupied by women to fire their guns out of. There's deaths happening. Uh, everyone's just shouting to arms. Like, it's just like chaos all over the place. But, mm. um, and we yeah we just get little scenes of it all forced the bourgeois citizens to help the people <laughs> so we're building barricades in different areas people are like ssort of ransacking houses to look for weapons and mm. then in a lot of cases they would chalk over the door weapons collected mm. and then some would even sign and leave a little receipt like send someone to fetch the weapons we took tomorrow mm. they'll be at the city hall that you're just like i just love that yeah 
that mentality like yeah okay we need this stuff now we need to be building these barricades but like we want to do this for the people and you're a part of the people so i don't want to fuck you over yeah that's very um yeah that's cool i like that on the streets military watchmen are getting disarmed Officer had officers had their epaulets torn off. There's like so many corners where there's young men distributing weapons. So like it, it's really like all going on, mm. and it's all happening at the same time. So like in less than an hour, in one single district, twenty seven barricades have sprung up. Not to mention countless barricades in twenty other Parisian neighborhoods. At one of them, a respectably dressed man was distributing money among the workers. And I was like, maybe that wasn't Jean Valjean, but like your first thought is like, a man is distributing money? It's gotta be Jean Valjean. But he's respectfully dressed, which could be our man. Yeah, throw it off. Wait, he's got different disguises though. (laughs) Another one, a horseman appeared and handed whoever seemed to be in charge a roll of silver coins, like to cover expenses, wine, etc. Oh my god. They're like, this really is a person. <laughs> yeah, it's really just like, you need the important things. Wine, cheese, and bread. Etc. Etc. A coffee and a croissant uh, in the yeah. morning. The riot was conducted according to the most skillful military tactics. Because there's so many at this time in Paris. Long, winding, irregular lanes with twists mm. and turns. So like, perfect for barricading off. Mm. A network more intricate than a forest. The Society of Friends of the People is that was the ABC a subsidiary or do they just keep mentioning yeah, this they're... one? Okay, they take in charge of the insurrection in the Dervoy district. Sure. So, what had actually directed the course of the riot was a kind of strange impetuousness in the air. <laughs> the insurrection had suddenly built barricades with one hand and with the other seized nearly all the garrison points. So they're they're occupying like. The Arsenal, City Hall, the whole of the Mar- Marais, an arms factory, loads of streets, banks, veterans' barracks, toll gates. Like, they're in only a couple hours, they're really doing it. Mm. At five o'clock in the evening, they're in control of the Bastille, a building I've heard of. Yeah. Um, you know, that thing that's pretty famous. Yeah. <laughs> a third of Paris was controlled by the rioters. I think this surprised me because, based on the musical various, in my head, it's always like, oh, everyone was like, yeah, we're all going to do it. And then I guess because we only see the ABC, mm. because there's not enough time to see all of it, I'm like, wow, they really were the only ones. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa, they're really doing it, though. Like, it seems really successfully mm. at this point. Mm. In every respect, the fighting was extraordinarily determined. The conflict had begun with stone throwing and continued with gunfire battlefields everywhere an observer a dreamer the author of this book (laughs) (laughs) who had gone to see the volcano from close up found himself in the passage caught in the crossfire Mm. all he had to protect him from the bullets were the projecting half columns that separated the shops Mm. and he was in this perilous position for almost half an hour they're like okay he was there no wonder he's like a bit obsessed with it (laughs) yeah but also like that he kind of um, so the the other half of the 0.5 minutes of research I did on it was like, yeah, so apparently he was in a garden and then he heard a bullet or he heard the ruckus and was like, oh, I wonder what that is. Walked over and was like, oh, shit. And then like hid for 30 minutes and then ran away. And I'm like, OK, Hugo. 
<laughs> oh no, that's exactly what Mabuff did. <laughs> Except maybe he's not going to get to run away. Yeah, actually, really self-call out there, like, and this author was there for a whole half hour. <laughs> yeah, he definitely helped. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, the call to arms was sounded, so the National Guardsmen dressed themselves and armed themselves, so they're going to come join in. Mm-hmm. And some part of the calling to arms is sending the drummers out, I guess. In one area, the drummers stabbed. Another was attacked by 30 young men mm. um, who punctured his drum with them and took his sword. Mm. Um, pretty, yeah, killed. like, before you have, like, you know, an emergency alert email that goes out. Yeah, like, well, how do you do it? Drummers, and then you just kill the drummers. <laughs> yeah, and then you'd be like, oh, I guess it's over. <laughs> the drumming stopped. Yeah. Was this indeed a revolution? Question mark? The insurrection turned the centre of Paris into a sort of stronghold, huge and penetrable labyrinthine. Mm. This was the seat of the trouble. This was obviously the key to it all, and everything else was just skirmishes. And you know this because in that centre bit, there's no actual fighting going on there. Mm. Questioning shrug of shoulders. In some of the regiments, the soldiers are like undecided what they should be doing or if they should even be doing anything. And that's adding to all this uncertainty and the crisis. Mm. Somewhere, a entire company of National Guardsmen was being led by a senior police officer wearing his sash of office. Mm. And it's going off to reconnaitre, which felt like it could be another word, like reconnaissance in uh. another term. Like... That's what it, it made me think of. I'm assuming it's that. Yeah. Go get some info on the streets in re- in rebellion. And I was like, Javert, yeah. is it Javert? Like, <laughs> sh- surely in the same way that some man is giving money to the barricade <laughs> men, some man is never some man. Yeah. Some police officer in his A sash. senior police officer. Yeah. But it was like, yeah. oh, there's only one senior police officer. <laughs> Yeah, it's like it's all going on. More National Guardsmen are running in. They're like, how are there more of you? <laughs> so, Paris's originality. <laughs> yeah. So, some part of your brain definitely must have remembered this. Yeah. So, over the last two years, as we've said, Paris has seen more than one insurrection. Mm-hmm. As a rule, outside the insurgent neighborhoods, nothing is more weirdly calm than the way Paris appears during a riot. Because Paris just adapts to everything really quickly. Of course. <laughs> it's only a riot. And Paris has so much going on that it's not bothered by so small a matter. Mm-hmm. So in an ordinary riot, when the insurrection begins, a shopkeeper will be like, oh, okay, I hear the drums. But, you know, seems like there's a bit of a rumpus. <laughs> <laughs> Later on, when there's the ominous record of rifle shots and gunfire, the shopkeeper's like, oh, it's hotting up. <laughs> yes, it's hotting up. Like, that's his words. That's not me trying to make it more <laughs> casual and funny. <laughs> that's my translator's words. <laughs> and it's only if the writing is, like, coming closer, like, he can see it mm. and it's gaining strength, that he'll quickly shut the shop, put on his uniform. That is to say, make sure his merchandise is safe and puts his rifle, at, his life at risk. Then you get the sort of, yeah, all the actual stuff that goes on, like barricades, taken, lost, retaken, blood, houses are being hit by bullets, people killed in their beds by stray gunfire, 
Mm. Bodies left lying on the pavement. And yet a few streets away, the click-clack of billiard balls can be heard in the cafes. Mm. Bystanders will laugh and chat within a few yards of the war-fraught streets. Theatres will still open their doors and stage light comedies. (laughs) (laughs) The show must go on. Yeah. In 1831, gunfire was suspended to let a wedding party go by. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty funny. Yeah, you know what? I kind of love this. In 1839, during an insurrection, a feeble old man with a handcart was just like taking carafes between barricades and the troops, just like impartiality at its finest, (laughs) I guess. Offering glasses of licorice water. Mm. It was like, I like licorice, but I can't imagine licorice water that was like punishing both sides. Well, but it's just, it's got the same taste as aniseed, right? Which is just root beer, right? So, well, mm, that sarsaparilla-y kind of flavor, kind of like licorice-y. I feel like it's just Okay, you know what? Yeah. Okay, take it back. A treat. (laughs) Nothing could be stranger. And this is the distinctive characteristic of Paris uprising. Not to be found in any other capital. No. They're such a special little baby. (laughs) What is needed for this are two things. The size of Paris and its gaiety. What is needed (laughs) is the city of Voltaire and Uh... of Napoleon. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You turned it around at the end, Hugo. (laughs) I wasn't ready to agree with you, but you're right. It does need to be the city of Voltaire, brackets, and Napoleon. (laughs) In smaller font, Napoleon. Yeah. I do find it interesting that I've never, like, this chapter talks a lot about, like, shopkeepers Mm. and, like, their role in this. And I do think it's really important, like, the only other one that I've seen, the only other adaptation I think really, like, has any shopkeepers in it is the largely 2019 film. Um, Because it has kebab worker, like, you know, he owns a kebab shop, Salah, and the claw who runs a, like... I think it was like a nightclub bar kind of thing the claw at one point the police are like oh why are you you know you should be helping us and the claw is like yeah i know like uh protest isn't good for business that's why i want this all over as mm. soon as possible like i'm not taking sides here either police or oppressed like i need customers to come into my shop so yeah whatever side means that this business all dies down and people still want to drink uh, and it's like Thinking about that a lot in the like idea of the the shopkeepers keeping open as long as possible and then being like, all right, okay, fine, I have to put on my uniform now and go. <laughs> fine. Yeah. It made me think of in Discworld, Terry Pratchett mm. books, Cut My Own Throat, Dibbler, mm. in in the um, very lame is coded <laughs> of the City Watch books. Nightwatch, that he's like, great, everyone's out in the street, now is the time to be selling my hot dogs. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, literally. Because you're like, yeah, you know, the people do need to eat while, you know, Mm. these things are going on, especially if they're all holed up. Mm. So, yeah, that is usually, that this would be the energy that would, the the cafe would still be open next door to the shooting. Mm. However... On this 5th of June, the city seemed to sense that something perhaps more powerful is going on, Mm. and it was afraid, so like Paris itself. Even in the distant neighbourhoods from where it's all going down, the doors and windows are shuttered, Uh, Mm. shops have actually closed, 
courageous are armed, the cowards are hiding. <laughs> Instead of, you know, usually you're saying usually people are sort of going about their day, but the streets are deserted mm. in many places. New dire news is just is just traveling everywhere. It's like they are in control of the bank. Oh, I heard that six hundred of them are battling inside a church and we can't depend on the troops and you know so rumors are just flying about and everyone's yeah just more afraid than they usually would be where none of this like Persian like ha 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 spirit hmm. everyone's on guard that night there would be people looting isolated houses in deserted corners of paris yeah very very different atmosphere to how they usually get mm. and like the fact that the marshal seems very indecisive about like what should I have the troops doing mm. is causing even more concern and uncertainty that they're like, why won't he attack? Like the old lions seem to scent in this obscurity, some unknown monster. The theaters aren't even opening to put on comedies. <laughs> oh my God. The patrols are looking nervous. People are getting searched. Suspects are just getting arrested. Like 800 people are arrested and that's too many people to fit in like any of the police stations. So they're just mm. sort of sticking everyone outside. So anxiety is getting even worse everywhere. Mm. People are barricading themselves into their houses and wives and mothers are all fretting like, oh my God, he's still not home. No one knows what's going on, just that they feel like it's going to be a particularly bad one. Mm. Waiting for the first cannon to be fired. People are rushing to bolt their doors. How will it all end? Paris seems to take on a more lurid hue from the tremendous blaze of the riot. So, like, he's letting us know, like, this is going to be a shit show. Mm. It's interesting because earlier he did say insurrection and then just then he said riot, unless that was you editorialising. Oh, no, this time, well, it says riot. I guess at all times it's like, oh, we're reading a translation. Mm. But yeah, after having just really gone in on, is this an insurrection? Is this a riot? Yeah. You'd want the translator to be (laughs) more aware. Yeah. Because he did say insurrection, you did say insurrection earlier, but then I noticed the last couple of times it was riot. So it's just like, oh, mm. interesting. Uh, I wonder if that's Hugo or uh, Danny? Question mark. Who are you reading? Uh, I'm, I'm still using the Christine oh, Donahue. Yeah. Donahue, yeah. But we did have last chapter. Was this indeed a revolution? Question mark. Mm. So maybe we are also uncertain. Mm, fair enough. What? this is going to shake out to be. And maybe that's why it's switching between. We like to think that that much thought. (laughs) And not just Hugo immediately forgetting. (laughs) Like I said my piece, I said what I said. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) So yeah, it's interesting getting the like, this is how our riots usually go. Mm. So you really know how bad this is going to be. This is not just sparkling riot. This is pure French Revolution. It's all, it's all hitting the fan. Yeah, interesting. We're really at it. It's really happening. <laughs> Is there a little bit of awe in you that we actually got it? Yeah, we're like, I'm trying to split this book in half and then split it in quarter. We're like basically on the last quarter of the book. It only took six years to get here. <laughs> It's so wild, like it's all it's all all the downhill. Yeah. We've got to the rebellion. We've got to the thing that's like everything has led to. Show of hands, who didn't think we'd make it? <laughs> I've always had faith in us. <laughs> that's true. That's nice. Mm. I, for anyone as if 
in that episode I re-listened to first meeting all of the boys. Mm. Oh, in that episode I was like, I assume everyone here knows all these boys better than I can ever hope to. <laughs> like anyone who anyone who would listen to this podcast is here because I love those boys, whereas I'm like <laughs> on this journey of learning to love and then lose these boys. And I assume that's even more true by this point. But say there's anyone out there who needs to be reminded of these boys, I do recommend re-listening to that one so that you'll really be fresh and sad when we start losing them. Yeah. (laughs) Meeting them, you're just like, this energy is so great. Like, Hugo's having a ball. He loves them all so much. He can't wait to throw his toys out the pram. Mm. Wow, that was like two years ago that we met the boys. Yeah, I was scrolling back and I was like, that was a long time ago. Why haven't I scrolled past more episodes? First of September, 2021. Interesting. Well, it took you two years to get from... Like, they haven't even shown up that much since then as well. I know. Yeah, it it took two years to get from introduction to them starting to... uh, We're going to get them dying. So, yeah, our scene set, it's just deaths. Surely, surely. You know, in three months time when nobody has died yet we can uh <laughs> do the list again yeah we'll, we'll be reminder if because uh, yeah. he, do, he does love to keep us in suspense of plot yeah yeah that is something he likes to do <laughs> um and on that though this has been Brent Barricade the Lamers podcast produced by me Nemo Martin and Julian Yap it was a Captain's Collections podcast if you like this episode and you would like to send your uh death note kill order in the order that you think that Hugo is going to kill everyone you can send us an email lamerspodcast l-e-s-m-i-s podcast at gmail.com or on twitter at lamerspodcast or on tumblr at Brent Barricades our sound designer is Jade, who you can find on her website, jadeyourselfie.com, or on her bandcamp, jadeyourselfie.bandcamp.com. If you like this episode, you can give us a rating on wherever you have listened to it, or you can give us a financial donation, a roll of silver coins for wine <laughs> and other expenses. Um, you can do that on Patreon or Kofi, which are both in the description. Thank you for listening, and see you next time. <laughs> on the kill list (laughs) I was trying to picture who if Victor Hugo is making the kill list so he is light Mm -hmm. who is L trying to stop him oh my god is it um Dumas I was literally thinking Dumas because I know he's his contemporary but I was like but can I say that one when he's like his only friend they were like frenemies Mmm, frenemies even yeah. better. Okay, handcuffed together while they're trying to figure yeah. it out. Yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. It was his birthday today, um, Dumas. Aww. So, you know, you can date this episode. <laughs> <laughs>